You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. We have uh, a question and answer time at the end of our sermon. If you have any, please feel free to send those. Um, that's the phone number. Also, I'll put up my personal phone number in the back uh, um, at the back end of the sermon. But if you have any questions throughout, literally about anything, but anything that I'm saying, feel free to send those and we'll do our best to answer them. If I don't know the answer, I'll let you know and try to answer them throughout the week for you. But like I said, we are learning and relearning the old stories, learning and relearning the Old Testament stories. Uh, one of the things that we're not asking is, is this story true? Because I just feel like that's such an unhelpful question. I believe they're true. But sometimes we can stop right there if we say yes or no, and these stories want to speak to us in a deeper way. And so the questions I'm asking are, what does this, what, why do we still tell this story? Why do we still know this story? Uh, what is the logic of the story? There's a logic of the story, and it's trying to speak to us. What is that saying to us? Or what does God want to say to us through the story? I think those are much more helpful questions. But I think even maybe the most helpful question is what question is God's word asking of us? Sometimes we come with our questions, but sometimes God's word has a question for us. We are, we're not trying to figure out what God's word can do for our life. We're trying to figure out our place, our place in God's story. That's why we read these stories. We're trying to figure out our place in God's story. We've talked about Noah. We've talked about Jonah. We've talked about the Tower of Babel. We've talked about Gideon, so if you're interested in any of those stories, go back and listen to them. If you haven't heard it, we've got things like the Ark and the Whale and the 300, and you know the Tower of Babel, it's its own thing. Today, we are talking about King Solomon. King Solomon. We're going to do his whole life story. It's multiple chapters. We'll do our best to go as fast, as quick as we can. We should be here by like 2 or 3 o'clock, easily. What do we know about King Solomon? We know him to be the wisest man maybe whoever lived yeah but most of us or many of us i didn't let me just say that i didn't know until i read his full story that he goes on to break israel so badly that it never recovers in fact his actions uh bring israel to the place there's 12 tribes 10 of them get destroyed and are lost forever because of his actions he brings his whole nation to ruin but before the ruin it is prosperous it is peaceful it is so good but he breaks his whole country and so i want i just want to go through that story and maybe talk about what some things we can learn i want to tell his story and hopefully we can see our story we have been showing uh, kids clips about these stories and i got one coming up right now it's going to give us an overview so you don't have to listen to me for the full 40 minutes but this is king solomon's story now come on there it is David was old. He had been the king of Israel for many years, and now his son Solomon was going to be king. 
God had promised David that Israel's king would always be someone from his family. Before David died, he gave Solomon some instructions. Be strong and brave, Solomon, David said. Obey God and you will be successful. God will keep his promise that every king of Israel will come from our family. When David died, Solomon became the king of Israel. One night, God appeared to Solomon in a dream. God said, Solomon, ask for anything you want and I will give it to you. Anything? A king might have asked to live a long life or to have lots of riches. Solomon could have asked God to give him victory over all his enemies. But Solomon did not ask to be rich or to have a long life. Solomon wanted to be a good king. He asked for something even better. Solomon prayed, God, I am young and I do not know very much about being a king. Please make me wise and obedient to you. Help me know the difference between right and wrong. Help me lead your people well. God was happy with Solomon's request. God said, I will give you wisdom. In fact, I will make you more wise and understanding than anyone who has ever lived. No one in the future will ever be as wise as Solomon. Then God said, because you asked for wisdom, I will also give you what you did not ask for, long life, riches, and honor. You will be greater than any other king during your lifetime. Solomon woke up and realized God had spoken to him in a dream. Solomon praised God and offered sacrifices to worship him. Solomon was a wise king who wanted to do God's plan. God planned to give his people a greater and wiser king, his son, Jesus. Jesus completely trusted God with his life. Jesus surrendered his own life to die on the cross for our sin. So that is the story of Solomon as I learned it. Um, growing up at church. Granted, I didn't go to church as much as some of y'all did. I didn't start going to church until I was about 14 years old. But I'd heard Solomon's story. Uh, one of the wisest men who ever lived asked for wisdom, uh, woke up, uh, had wisdom, and the end, right? That was what I got. And everything was good and peachy and keen. And when I read his story, I was so taken aback. I felt like someone had not told me the whole truth about how he totally destroyed his entire nation. Uh, all kinds of stuff, which we're going to get into. This is King Solomon. He's often depicted with a temple because he got to build the temple and writing. He wrote um, some books in the Bible like Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Songs, which there's too many kids in here to talk about, but it's salacious. Uh, uh, Hebrew poetry between um, men and women. Um, but King Solomon, the son of of the warrior King David who fought Goliath. We know the story of David and Goliath. That king has a son named Solomon. He becomes king when uh, his dad dies. This is an anointing of Solomon. These are some old uh, paintings. 
And then the story that I know is that in a dream, he was, he was going up to this place called Gibeon to make a sacrifice to the Lord. And, and the Lord met him there for the first time. God meets him for three times. And God uh, asks him what he wants, and he asks for wisdom. And God is so pleased with this request that he gives him, uh, all, he offers him wealth, glory, long life, if he follows suit. There's our story, which uh, I just, we need to read some God's word uh, out of this, not just to hear the story in video. But here's the story about the wisdom thing. It says, the Lord appeared to Solomon at Gibeon in a dream at night, and God said, ask whatever you wish, and I'll give it to you. Solomon responded, you showed so much kindness to your servant, my father, David, when he walked before you in the truth, righteousness, and with a heart true to you. And now, Lord, my God, you have made me your servant king in my father, father David's place. But I'm young and I'm inexperienced and I know next to nothing, uh, which I mean, how do you not love this guy already? Right. Like he's like, he's so humble. Please give your servant a discerning mind in order to govern your people and to distinguish good from evil. It's a key phrase. It helps us understand what we're doing, because no one is able to govern this important people of yours without your help. So this is what he asks for. You know how I preach, no feel, do, or head, heart, hands. I, I use those synonymously. Something that God wants us to know, something that God wants us to experience or feel, and something that God wants us to do. What does God want us to know about Solomon's wisdom? Here's my point about this, and then let's dive in deeper. You were meant to rule as kings and queens over creation with the wisdom of God. To understand Solomon's story, we have to go back. But what I, one of the things I've taken away from the story is that you were meant to rule as kings and queens over God's creation with God's wisdom. Look what Solomon asks for. Discerning mind to govern your people, to know good from evil without your help. This word right here, tov and ra, it takes us back to the garden. We have to understand Solomon's request. And by understanding it, we have to go back to some background. This is the garden, right? Eden. Adam and Eve, there's two trees. One tree is the tree of life. They weren't probably this close together. I have no idea. No one knows. But for this depiction, it was helpful. One tree is the tree of life. And one tree is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Essentially, God is giving humanity a choice. Will you rule creation? Will you oversee creation? Will you guide and govern creation with my wisdom and eat from the tree of life? Or do you want to choose your own way, your own knowledge of good and evil, and uh, reject me and reject my wisdom and reject my way of living. The reason Solomon is important is because he is going to show us what it means to rule and live under God's wisdom. He's going to show us again what it means to eat from the tree of life and to live according to God's ways and God's wisdom. Solomon is supposed to reverse the curse and show humanity how to rule, reign, and live under the wisdom of God. This is why during Solomon's reign, it says, during the peaceful parts, it said Solomon had peace on all sides. And the people of Judah and Israel from Dan all the way down to Beersheba lived uh, securely under their vines and fig trees throughout the days of Solomon. Everybody sat under their own fig tree because Solomon ruled with the wisdom of God. It was like they're painting a picture of Eden. Israel was Eden. And everybody ate from the tree of life because somebody was finally ruling with the wisdom of God. 
Solomon goes on to write many times things like, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't rely on your own intelligence. Don't choose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tov and ra is what it is in Hebrew. Trust in the Lord's wisdom. Or he'll say, wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Fear here is not afraid. Fear is reverence and awe. Wisdom begins with, with approaching God with reverence and awe. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. He's teaching us a world governed by God's wisdom so that we can maybe eat from this tree of life that God has for us. In that song of songs, in that salacious thing, many scholars read it, it's a woman pursuing a man, and there's some, just some wild stuff in there. But some people view it, the woman is, is Lady Wisdom. Because in the garden, what happens when they eat from the knowledge of good and evil? They're separated. And so Lady Wisdom, Sophia is in the Greek, pursues us. And you know what the book ends with? Everyone under an apple tree. Lady Wisdom says to her lover at the end of Song of Songs, under the apple tree I awakened you. There is this idea that Solomon is meant, meant he's, he's so close to lead us under the wisdom of God. He says, I need your help. I need your wisdom. And he's the one that's supposed to show us. He's the one that's supposed to show us what it means to live in God's wisdom and to eat from the tree of life. Sorry, I have slides that I'm telling you what's already on them. Solomon is meant to show us that we can, be, we can live by God's wisdom, eat from the tree of life, and enjoy life with God forever. This is what Solomon's whole life was meant to show us. This is what we're supposed to know from this. Meant to, but he doesn't. He goes down in a blaze of glory. Let's continue his story with Solomon's downfall. It begins with him trying to build the temple. His temple plans, he's got his... And what happens is he enslaves his own people to build God's temple. He enslaves Israelites to do it. They're willing to go along with it because it's God's temple. They're willing to not rise up and rebel because they want to be a part of this temple thing. But then what happens is Solomon immediately turns around and starts building his own palace next to the temple. And it's 10 times bigger, 10 times more lavish. And he continues to use the slave labor of his own people to build his projects. And so his people are angry. So much so that when he dies and his son takes over, they said, we will not follow you, Solomon's son. His name is Rehoboam. We will not follow you if you're going to treat us like your father did and enslave us. And the son says, my, my father whipped you with whips. I'm going to whip you with scorpions, which I don't even know how that works, but it's the coolest thing I've ever heard in my whole life. And... Um, Ten tribes out of the twelve decided to go start their own country called Northern Israel because Solomon enslaved his own people for his building projects. His father left him so much wealth, it was inexhaustible, at least they thought. And so he gets wrapped up in his own possessions, his own vanity, his own glory, his own comfort. And uh, ultimately, Solomon has a ton of wives. He has like 700 wives. 300 concubines, which are like secondary type wives. Um, and these wives come from all over the place and they bring their own gods. And Solomon allows them to worship their own gods in God's temple that he just built. And it, the whole thing gets messy and muddy. And Solomon ends up also worshiping these false gods. Well, here's, this is a picture of him 
worshiping a false god from a false nation. It, essentially, he, he downfall. It just he, it creeps on him. It's a slow fade where in his wisdom, he thinks he's doing the right things. He's doing the right things. He's compromising. He's compromising. He's compromising. And it ends up with him worshiping uh, the wrong god. It doesn't even know what god he is. We need some background quickly. Deuteronomy 17 has four rules for any king of Israel. That's a lot of text. I'm going to jump to it for you, though. Uh, he said, God says, once you enter the land, you're going to want a king. Here are the four, four rules that any king needs to follow. Rule number one, the king must not acquire too many horses, and he must not return, to, uh, return the people to Egypt in order to acquire more horses because the Lord told you you will never go back by that road again. They were enslaved in Egypt for a long time. God said that they can't go back, especially to acquire more horses. Very clearly, the story of Solomon is he gets a ton more horses. It seems like an arbitrary rule. You're like, horses, that's the number one rule for kings. But it is, and Solomon breaks it. Rule number two, the king must not take numerous wives so that his heart doesn't go astray. A thousand wives this man had. Rule number three, nor can the king acquire too much silver and gold, inexhaustible amounts of gold. Rule number four, we don't actually have any stories about this but he's supposed to copy the law by hand in front of the priests and read from it every day for the rest of his life. And Solomon never does this. Solomon breaks all four rules and the biblical authors are showing us that this is his downfall, that he did not do what he was supposed to do. He compromised so much that he fell apart. So what does God want us to feel when reading Solomon's story? Here's what I think it is. Each one of us is vulnerable to falling. Each one of us. Here's Solomon's story. The Lord grew angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from being with the Lord. The God of Israel, oh, the God of Israel. Solomon didn't do what the Lord commanded. The Lord said to Solomon, because you have not kept my covenant and my laws, I'm going to end your kingship here. Notice what God doesn't say. God doesn't say, you were special. You were unique. You had this incredible gift of wisdom and you blew it. You should have known better. It doesn't say that. Because if he would have said that, that would mean that we're off the hook, you and I, because we don't have the same gifts and abilities that Solomon has. No, God says, your heart turned away from me and you didn't do what, you, what was commanded of you and you didn't keep my covenant and my laws. That's expected of all of us, right? And because Solomon compromised so much in his kingship, it led to his total demise. And I think this is the way for the biblical authors to, sh- authors to show us that we can fall too. This is something that we're all susceptible to. I talk about this often. I think there's five P's of falling. I think we have spiritual enemies and they're going to use one of these five P's to get us, um, to, try to try to bring us down. And they're things that we think are normally good or at least our world tells us are good but can be used to hurt us. The first one is people. People, is, people can be great, but sometimes like Solomon, we can use people. We can objectify people for our own ends and our own means, and it's something that God hates, and it can be used for our own downfall. Popularity or fame, I talk about this often, especially for our younger generations, like some of their number one aspirations is to be famous, to be a YouTuber. Like this stuff kills, right? Uh, power, sometimes I use the word politics here, This is King Solomon, right? He uses his power to try to impress all the kings and queens all over the world. It really brings him down. Possessions, 
our spiritual enemy can use to soften our souls and to make us fall and ultimately pleasure. We see all five of these in Solomon's life, and they're things that our spiritual enemy can use to attack us, to hurt us. And the thing that's so difficult about them is that our world tells us that these are the things that consist of life, that this is life. If you want to have a good life, you need to get this stuff. This is the wisdom of man. One of the wisest men who ever lived was brought down by this stuff. Our world tells us this is the stuff that you need. And the biblical story of Solomon tells us this is the stuff that brought him down. He didn't know how to handle it, and it overcame his heart and destroyed his whole life and the nation of Israel. There's a clear message for me with Solomon is that we need to think about these things very hard because the world is going to tell us that you need this stuff to have a good life. And God's wisdom is supposed to try to teach us how to eat from the tree of life. Part of it is that we need to reject that this is the stuff that leads to our life. We need to reject the idea that this is the stuff we need to climb the ladder to get to good life. God has something else for us. God has a different wisdom for us. Let's talk about that and be done. What does God want us to do? This is my last point. If you have any questions, feel free of sending it. I know we're doing Solomon's whole life in 30 minutes here, but let's get to it. Uh, What does God want us to do? What does Solomon do best? I think what Solomon does best, ultimately, is that Solomon points to Christ as the true wisdom of God. And I think that's really the ultimate lesson for us who follow Jesus in this. That ultimately we can see everywhere that Solomon failed, Jesus was victorious and teaches us to be victorious in those ways too. For us Christians, Jesus' life and teaching, that is the wisdom of God. We order our lives around that. But unfortunately, it rejects those five Ps as a way to get to life it rejects those five Ps as, uh, as something that is defined as success or something like that. Jesus' way is different than the world's way. And when we order our life around what Jesus says, that is the wisdom of God because Jesus is the wisdom of God. I could go through 50 stories in the New Testament where Jesus literally calls himself Lady Wisdom. He calls himself Sophia. He calls himself, he, he wants to project his self he is, he is the wisdom of God as the word of God. But one of Jesus' nicknames, one of his titles that he got was that he was the son of David. This is the story about him riding in on a donkey to Jerusalem and the people said, Hosanna to the son of David. Son of David is this incredible phrase because you get David in there where Jesus is the warrior king who comes to save us. But the son of David is Solomon. The biblical authors want to paint Jesus as the wisdom of God. Jesus is the wisdom. He is the true Solomon who doesn't let wealth, fame, possessions, uh, pleasure overwhelm him and destroy him. He is the real wisdom of God. Jesus does what Solomon doesn't. Ultimately, he teaches us the wisdom of God and he teaches us how to eat from that tree of life. But Jesus' tree of life is the cross. And this is our wisdom. 
This is our wisdom as people who follow Jesus, is the cross, is the upside down kingdom, is the first will be last, is the love your enemies. This is God's wisdom for how we eat from the tree of life. This is what it means to be successful in the kingdom of God. You want to be great, Jesus tells you? Be the servant of all. Don't climb the ladder. Don't get as much people as you can, much possessions as you can. Don't try to uh, get as much popularity or pleasure or all that stuff. That stuff leads to death. You want to be great? You want to taste from the tree of life? Humble yourself. Submit to your own cross. This is the tree of life in Christianity. Here's 1 Corinthians 8, uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 20 and following. Jews ask for signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, which is a scandal to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, you and me, Christ is God's power and Christ is God's wisdom. What's the point? You want to live according to the wisdom of God? You want a good life? You want a wise life? You want to live smartly? Don't look to Solomon. It's Jesus. It's the cross. That's the wisdom of God that we build our lives on. Jesus very clearly tells us this. Everybody who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise builder who built a house on bedrock. Jesus is the Solomon that Solomon couldn't be because he gave in to those worldly ideas of wisdom. But Jesus shows us how to eat from the tree of life. Any questions, comments, criticisms? James, you need to step it up. Preach shorter sermons or something. What is it? Send me some questions here. Uh, I got one. Um, so if the wisest man failed with all of these great things, aren't we all almost destined to fail too? Great question. And the answer that Christianity has given us is that yes. In fact, all of us have failed. Um, Romans will tell us that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, and it is only through Christ and his victory that we are saved and that we can actually even move forward at all in experiencing the tree of life and experiencing the life that God has for us or live according to God's wisdom. So yes, like that is one of the takeaways from Solomon's by the way, that's my, my phone number if you need it. That's one of the takeaways from Solomon's story is that if one of the wisest men who ever lived could not handle his possessions, could not handle his pleasures and his passions, could not handle popularity and fame, then we're all doomed. If that's what we think is going to give us life, if that's what we think makes for a great life, you're doomed. The wisest man could not handle these things. We need to look for something else. And ultimately, what we look for is Jesus. He shows us something else. But his, his, his tree of life is his cross. And his wisdom is completely opposite from the world. It's upside down. It's letting go of our possessions. It's, it's submitting ourselves to be humble to the people around us. Yeah. It's not seeking after fame and fortune, but seeking after uh, service identifying with the least of these. This is the wisdom that Jesus gives us. Great question. I think that's a huge takeaway. If the wisest man failed, we are certainly doomed to failure. Maybe one more question? Yeah.
So is the goal, I, I'm not sure I understand, but I'm going to try. Is the goal not to fail like Solomon did? How do we reconcile with God when we will inevitably fail because of these P's, these five P's? So I don't think the goal is uh, we now can't be better than Solomon because we have the Holy Spirit or something. And so go ahead and dive right into those five P's. I really think ultimately uh, it's, a, it's a denunciation of those. It's a rejection of those P's altogether. That is, that, is, that is from the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Uh, when really God wants us to eat from the, the tree of wisdom and the tree of life. And so I think the goal isn't to try to be better than Solomon. I think it's to reject the ways that Solomon tried to rule and reign, to try to make a life for himself and for his country. We need to reject those peas altogether. Hopefully I answered your question. If I didn't, send another one. Seeing no more questions, I'm moving on. To summarize, <clears throat> here's what I want us to know, feel, and do for the day. Solomon's wisdom reminds us that we were meant to live as kings and queens under God's good wisdom. We were meant to govern creation, guide creation with the wisdom of God, sit under our own fruit trees in peace and rest and Sabbath. It's a beautiful picture. But all of us are susceptible and vulnerable to falling like Solomon did. We have a spiritual enemy who uses the very same tactics to bring us down. You will likely struggle with one of those five Ps, but at the end of the day, you're going to have to negotiate and figure out all five of them. We all do, every one of us. That's one of the takeaways from Solomon's story. And with our hand, Solomon points to the true wisdom of God. That is Jesus. We need to build our life on his teaching. Uh, we need to build our life on his teaching and life if we want to eat from God's tree of life. Here's your spiritual practice for this week. Something for us to just kind of internalize this story and internalize what God's teaching us. If you've got a tree at home, I just want you to sit under it this week, maybe in the morning, maybe in the daytime. Like this was the, this was the proof that, wisdom was, that, that Solomon was in the beginning leading by wisdom is that everyone sat under their own tree. It doesn't have to be a fruit tree, but it is if you want it. Just go sit, pray, meditate, think, sing, write, I don't know, journal, uh, look at your phone. I don't care what it is. But at some point, uh, maybe just sit under a tree, think about God's wisdom in your life. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for this story. Thank you for, for Solomon's example and reminder that you meant for us as your royal children, to work with you, to live under your wisdom, to guide, to guide all things according to your ways and your will and your wisdom. But Lord, we know, we know firsthand that we are susceptible and vulnerable to the ways of the world, to the wisdom of the world, to the wisdom of humans that tell us they have the way to life, that they have the secret to life, that they know how to get the good life. We all fall for that. We all fall prey. Lord, would you help us by your wisdom to reject that that stuff is life and leads to life. And Lord, would you continually bring us back to your son who showed us what true life is, who said, 
that he came to bring us life and life abundantly. Would you help us to experience that through your wisdom? Father, now as we come to a time of communion, as we come now a time of meeting with you, the bread and the cup, would your spirit be in us and on these elements that we would hear from you, that we would experience you, that you would be growing us and transforming us so that we would not walk out of this door the same way we walked in, but we would walk out closer to you. We would walk out with a renewed mind and uh, we, a renewed spirit, Lord. And now I ask you, Table Church, would you pray with me the Lord's Prayer together out loud, saying, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. As we